You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Hey, y'all. How's it going? It's Saturday at 6. That means it's time for all the things. I am Monique Dusan, and you are? Krista Bontrager, also known as Theology Mom. Yes, and I am also known as Mo, Monique, Kiki, you know, depends Chantal. on where you know me from. Yes, <laughs> but we don't use my proper government name <laughs> on social network. <laughs> anyway, hey, I am excited about today. And I'm excited that it was Juneteenth this week. I am excited that you know what Juneteenth is. Go ahead and break it down. Break it all the way down for me. Go ahead, because I, I was quite surprised when I looked at it. I was like, whoa, we're going to talk about Juneteenth. Okay. What was what is Juneteenth? It is a very important day. Yes. Because why? it is the day of uh, I hope I don't screw this up. Mm-hmm. Of the <laughs> mm-hmm. the uh, day when they informed the slaves that they were free. Yes. Something to do with the Emancipation Proclamation. Yes. And it's widely known among black people, but I have to tell you it was my kind of my first time learning about it recently. Mhm. And then I saw on social media, oh, it's today. So, yeah, I'm feeling very informed. Okay. Well, I can give you a little bit more background. <laughs> yeah, yeah I break it down. Do it break, break it as down for well me. Well, as I should. But so, slavery ended, and there were a number of slave owners who were like, heck no. And so, I think two years went by, and people still owned slaves, and slaves were unaware that oh. they were actually free. And so, it was the official ending of slavery. And so we celebrate Juneteenth because that's when we, we were officially, officially freed. Okay. Yes. Not people. Some people say, well, Hey, it was when the emancipation proclamation was signed. Y'all got freed. Like, no, no, we didn't. No, (laughs) no. Let's just be honest. Not quite. So what's the official date? Is it like June 19th? If it is June 19th. Okay. So that's why it's called Juneteenth. Yes. Okay. But so, I have a whole bunch of dates in my head, like friends' birthdays. And so I'm always like, is it June 13th, June 14th, June 19th? Yes. But okay. it is It is one of those. And I am probably doing very wrong <laughs> by my people. Um, <laughs> and I should know this date. That is quite embarrassing. Um, yes. But in line with Juneteenth, today we're going to be talking about some racial stuff. And I am admittedly nervous and excited um, I am glad for the guests that we have on. You guys are going to enjoy Jamal. Yes. Um, but let's just check in. How was your week before we get all, you know, all too far down the road? Wrapped hole? up. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's good. It is, I have a lot going on in my life right now. A lot happening for me at work. So it's a really busy week. But I'm glad that we're doing the show because you and I have been in these uh, kind of race conversations over the last 16 months and it's it's uh not easy but our hope is that in the show we're going to create kind of a space to invite people into a conversation about race um but to do it in a i like your post earlier today you said you were going to do it in a gentle way yes and so we're not going to be into shaming anybody we're going to be about you know, we want to create a space if people want to ask questions or coming at it from a genuine place of curiosity. Um, 
and we're even willing to allow people to make mistakes. Yes. And that's okay. Yes. And because we're all learning. Yes. And I think that's one thing that you and I, as if we've been journeying together is both being in a posture of learning. And so that has been a fruitful thing. And so coming to this moment, and this isn't going to probably be the only time we ever talk about race on the show, but we want to talk about one particular aspect of the race conversation. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, so that's kind of how my week has been going is a lot of thoughts about this and prepping, prepping for the show. And then maybe toward the end of the show, I saw a tweet this week I want to talk about. I like talking about tweets. I, I'll admit it. I think it. we are going to do like <laughs> Krista's tweet of the week. And every week we will highlight one of your tweets because you and Twitter are like. No, I, I try to stay off yes. there a lot. But uh, every once in a while I see something interesting on there. I wanted to talk about Okay. I'll talk about something. So. And, you know, not that anyone may care, but my week was, you know, pretty good. Yeah, how was your week? It was awesome. It was awesome. I went to a black graduation. Oh. Um, yeah, about a week ago. Okay. And um, it was very interesting. So it's a black graduation. Well, it's... Since the, we're allowed to ask questions tonight. The Black Student Union of a pretty prestigious school here in Southern California, like all of their their graduates... They have a special graduation for them. It would be like the sociology department having their graduation, like it, the or the school of science are, or something. Yeah. Okay, but it's not the big all school where you only get like three tickets graduation. So I, they can, so know, they can invite more. family. Yes, got it. Got so it. So I went okay. there, and was it at the school? Was it? It was at a church. Oh, was that a church? It okay. was at a church. And I was really shocked by what I saw. Now, super excited for my friend who graduated. Love her bits. And what I saw was a lot of this critical race theory and conversations and speeches that led toward race. And I was like, that is very interesting. And I thought I would bring it up because I'll probably talk about it a little, a little bit more. Um, but as we talk about this idea of being woke or woke in the church. And don't worry, we will give you the definition for woke. Yeah, if you woke. have never heard the definition of woke or the term woke, we'll talk about or that. Or critical race theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, but there was a lot of conversation about being woke. And if you are not woke, then are you really black? Are you really a Christian? Are you really X, Y, and Z? And so I came home thinking, wow. Now, in addition to that, there were just other things that happened. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm not really sure what's happening, but the idea of being woke is what really stuck with me. And so I was really glad that this was coming up because we can talk about this idea of woke and what does it mean one to be woke? And is that something that churches and Christians should adopt in our current like culture and climate? Well, now I'm, I have all manner of questions, but I'll I'll save them. So I do want to invite everyone to join us in the chat. Mm -hmm. um, if you're watching us on Facebook, you can go to the the comments and comment there. And I try to watch those throughout the show. Um, Abby's over on YouTube monitoring those comments. So and Facebook. So um, have let us know where you're watching and. Um, Oh, you got a compliment on your shirt there. It says, rhyme his song. Just got here. Love most faith t-shirt. Yes. Isn't this on? Yes. Love <laughs> it. Love it. The, the story behind this is that someone in our house 
decided to order a shirt and it wasn't quite the right. I don't know. It just wasn't them, I guess. But it was me. And I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> I can have the Lord the provide. Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. Okay. So let's go right into it. Let's get, let's get things. Let's go. Cracking. All right. You so, want to introduce Jamal? Yes. I want to get Jamal on here. Our friend Jamal Bandy from prescribedtruth.com. Welcome, Jamal. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah. And uh, I, quote unquote, met Jamal uh, really on YouTube. I watched him participate in an interview and I was so struck by what uh, the the thoughtful comments he was making on the video. And so then I stalked him on YouTube a little bit and started watching some of his videos. And I thought, you know, I had love to have this guy on the show. So I just randomly reached out to him and he was uh, willing to come on and, and talk to us about these issues. So I'm going to kind of l- yeah. let, let, let Monique take the lead here. Because- People popping off already. Look yeah. at Nathan Peterson. Tennessee <laughs> here. I promised Jamal I would be good on here. That's my yeah. bro. Okay. Okay. We see you, Nathan. <laughs> All right. So again, we're just kind of going to have this conversation about what it means to be woke and uh, maybe we should just start with a definition. Yes. So what what are we talking about? Because I got to tell you, for me, on this end of the uh, uh, skin spectrum, I, I don't have any idea what what that is. Well, I think I think that it can go both ways. Like, I think there are black people who also aren't quite aware of what it means to be woke too. And they're okay. kind of like, I'm just going to stay here on the fringe. Okay. But before I give my definition, Jamal, please. Chime in. What is what is woke? I'm um, from my understanding. Of what woke is is that uh, it comes from an understanding from W. E. B. Du Bois um, dealing with double consciousness of black people. Um, paraphrasing wise, it's just talking about basically one end of it is realizing that you are black, realizing that that's it, and then realizing that it's a problem. That's making it short. Uh, so basically, how view people, uh, how people view you. In culture as being black in fact you have to realize there is um an issue with you being black as far as how do i um how do i reconcile the fact that i'm black and an american there's there's two parts of me that's at war and so when you realize that that's you're becoming conscious to your to the issue that you have this double soul warm within yourself that's that's my understanding of it too that it is um having a conscious awareness of the truth and the truth being that there are social issues and um, like racism, being aware of your blackness and that your blackness is a problem within society. Like I'm woke to the fact that I am a black woman and that the majority of people may not within a white space may not approve, appreciate whatever my blackness or um, that there are just social, um, like systemic issues that that will affect people of color, especially Black people. Okay, being, being aware and conscious to that. So, if I understand this definition correctly, I cannot be woke because I'm white. Only a Black person can be woke because it's part of their consciousness of their own self understanding. Is that would that be accurate? originally how it came about yes okay all right 
today, I don't think so. So much you can correct me if I'm wrong, but today I think that more and more like the term is is being used by white people or black people are like, oh, she woke. Like it's okay to have this conversation with her because she's woke. So but if I'm if I'm if I'm conscious uh, as a white person, if I'm conscious of the struggle and the systemic racism that's out there against black people, then in today's context, I could potentially be woke as well. Potentially. That's potentially. a good word, because okay. it also yeah. in my understanding and how I've seen things play out is that you also have to have the approval of someone like you just can't be, you can't self declare yourself as well. Oh, I can't say, I don't, can't come on here behind no, the mic and say, no, I woke. No. Okay. No, you know, no. Um, now, I think people. So would, do I have to have like five people sign off, five black people sign off that I'm woke? Or how does that work? How do I get those credentials? It depends on who those black people are. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. So, yes. I think this is a lot of rules. I'm already swimming. All right. So, and it's okay if I ask questions, right? I, I, nobody's going to throw me under the bus here, right? Because that I don't know these things. No, I'm okay. Um, no, and I just, I think too, like. It's just new for me. It is. It's really new. And I, and I also am aware of the seriousness of the conversation um, yeah. in, you know, in the reality of what sure. this is. Yeah. And I'm not trying yeah. to make light of it. I'm just honestly like in a space of, I honestly yeah, want to understand it stand what's being said and how that works because this is such a a huge concept within our culture right now and even in the political realms like this is a thing that's happening you know we're talking about the church tonight but not trying to make light of it i just really honestly want to try to understand what's what's being said so i appreciate your forbearance with me and trying to understand these matters so jamal can you give us a bit of a um breakdown on the woke church and what that movement is? Um, my understanding of it is just, just my understanding of uh, what all this entails is because um, when you go out into certain communities um, and evangelize, mostly in the predominant black communities, uh, there are a lot of people who uh, make argument against Christianity as far as it being a white man's religion. Um, and be, and they say it's because it's been whitewashed as in like the Bible characters and everything else has always been painted as white people. And so, um, so they call it whitewashing. And so a lot of people will not, a lot of uh, blacks will not come this way. I want to listen to anyone, tell them about Christ because they always flaunt you know, a white Jesus, you know, so to speak. And so with that being said, and now on the woke church and it's like, okay, well, we're acknowledging these things, how even racism affected how we even, how some people teach theology. This is what the argument is. Now, I'm not saying, as I'm giving this, I'm not saying I agree with these things, but what the argument is, is that um, the whiteness has affected theology. You know, it's affected how it's taught, um, the doctrines that are, hold, that are held to, even how churches, um, perform how they how they uh, the practices even to the selection of music and all these things so uh we say we're a church of diversity but the claim is that it's not really diverse and so you're being woke to that so as we was talking about we're woke part in general dealing with the um in the social realm how racism affects us in society and with certain injustices and so on and so forth well in the church it's how racism affected um african-americans or minorities in the churches as far as um, back then where blacks couldn't worship with whites, um, you know, uh, one of the reasons why the AME was started. 
And so, you know, and stuff like that. So being conscious of those things and being woke to those things and wanting to change them. So let me ask you, Jamal, um, in, in your experience and in your journey, um, was and, and was this part of of what you were into? Like, did that how did you come into being interested in these discussions and in, in these questions? Um, so uh, in my testimony, I mentioned how I was in a few false churches in the past. And when it came to me, uh, by God's grace, when he saved me in 2013, I, um, and I began to search out for, you know, solid teaching, biblical teaching. Um, the church that I was, I became a part of was predominantly white. And um, <laughs> I remember talking to my elder at the time, and I'm still there now. I remember talking to him at the time, and one of the things that was off, well, not say off, but that caught me off guard was the, the selection of music. I'm used to more up-tempo music and everything else, and the music was different, but I just loved the teaching, and that's what I needed the most. And so here I'm in this predominantly white church. It's, it's some, um, there are some minorities there, but, you know, it's, it's predominantly white. Um, this became interesting to me as uh, a conversation came about as far as, what would be acceptable as far as music. This was the very first thing now in, in our situation. Uh, so there were talks with the elders as far as like, you know, why do we just sing these type of hymns? Why don't we choose this type of music? And, you know, or what's wrong? do anybody have anything against Christian hip hop? You know, just going into that because the culture is culture relevant. relevant. And um, it, it seemed as if the culture of black people weren't accepted in a sense. And that's what I started to hear more. And, and I just, no, not just dealing with conversation with the church I was in or I'm in, but like other churches I'm hearing this about. And, um, and I began to think about that. And I mentioned um, to you guys earlier that I was on a fence about all of this. Like this was some of my gripe was like, man, like why do we have to uh, wear the, so the, uh, the suit behind the pulpit every time? Like why can't we wear a t-shirt? What's wrong with that? What's wrong with wearing a hat? What's wrong with, um, choosing hip hop music, you know, what's, what's wrong with any of that? And so that was the thing. And it's like, okay, well, they're just, they're just throwing out our culture, you know, as if, it, you know, as if it's not as important, you know, so the predominant culture is more important. So that's like, that's where I came into that. It was dealing with music. And I, as I began to hear the arguments more and more concerning how um, leadership is brought into, um, brought to bear, uh, as far as like you have, may have predominantly white leadership over black leadership and so on and so forth. I begin to hear those arguments come up and, and see those things out there. And it's, and that's what drew my interest, but I wasn't completely sold on it, but it did pique an interest. So when you were thinking about those issues, were there any like kind of Christian books or leaders that you were listening to that started influencing you to think about, you know, this whole woke idea and which is really kind of a shorthand way of talking about something called critical race theory, which is the academic term for what we're talking about. Like, mm -hmm. were there any influential people you were reading or listening to? Um, during this time, I don't know if you're familiar with a, um, a man named Damon Richardson, uh, Pastor Damon Richardson. Uh, he was influential. And so uh, me trying to gain an understanding of what the argument was when I was on the fence. Um, Eric Mason, um, he was an influence listening to him um, and his issues mostly dealing with how we engage the culture, engage people and stuff like that. So I could see what he was coming or what he was getting at initially. And, um, and see, that, that was basically it. Uh, that was a, a man named uh, Anthony Carter. I think his name is who wrote a book, Black and Reformed. 
Um, that was a book I was reading at the time, and, and it was it was really insightful. It was good. Um, still think it was good. Uh, but that's that's just a couple. So looking at the woke church movement, being aware of you know the injustices based on race that are happening within the church, I'm I'm not sure if you know, and I'm just speaking for me personally, like if the idea of woke within society is something that should be adopted by the church. And so I put it out on, on Facebook a couple of days ago. And I just asked the question, like, is your church woke? Is it important that you go to a woke church? And there were different responses, but a lot of people chimed in with like, yes, is like, is it a church if it's not woke? And so I'm wondering what's your take on that? Like what's your take on churches being woke? I, I I think like, the church is already made alive. If if we're if we're born again, if we're in Christ, then we're made alive. Um, we're already conscious of what injustices are because you the, you can't get the gospel without understanding justice. The fact that we sin against the holy God and deserve His just wrath, and yet He spares us by His own by giving of His Son, like that's all that we. So we see justice and all of that in there. So as being a believer. We, we know how we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourselves and so on and so forth. So I think the church is already woke. It just, you know, but not in the sense that they, they would say. And I think the issue here is they, you have to agree with the narrative. And that's been my um, argument on my channel when I do certain videos is that you have to agree with the narrative in order to be woke. If you don't agree with the narrative, then you'll never be woke. You know, so you have to buy into the narrative. What would that narrative be? Help me understand what that is. As, as Monique was saying, as far as like what, what some would say injustice in the church, well, I don't I don't necessarily agree that everything that's being said as being a injustice is an actual injustice. Um, it may be an issue of preference or something like that, but not necessarily an injustice. Or uh, even with dealing with the culture. So, if, but it'd be by saying that I'm admitting that I'm really buying into whiteness. Like I'm like I'm not I'm not um, uplifting blackness or acknowledging that. You know, because I rather stick on a case by case basis instead of saying that, hey, the reason why um, instead of ha instead of having hip hop music in the church, we have we sing these hymns. It, it's not whiteness. It's because, like, hey, this is this are, these are hymns. These are psalms. You know, this is a choice. It's a preference. You know, oh, well, you well, you're not you know, you just not woke. You're not seeing that they really they're really belittling your culture by not allowing or saying, hey, we're not incorporating uh, hip hop or black culture into our worship music. And so I don't agree with that narrative as that's being an injustice, you know? So that's like one of, or leadership as far as the elders who are picked as far as being elders of a church. So the fact that I may see three, um, three Caucasian past uh, elders to one, that I don't see that as an injustice. There may be, there may be things within there, some nuances that it needs to be brought out. It's not necessarily that it's racist or an injustice. And you know, when it comes to the church is what some people would call injustice. Um, when you mentioned you're not woke, if you don't agree with the narrative, I completely mm -hmm. agree with that. I do like you have to agree. You have to be in line with this kind of thought. And if you're not, then it's almost like a shaming or mm -hmm. at least in my experience, I was thinking about, um, there's this, this one person that I like on social media, um, and she's a black conservative and. I've mentioned her name a few times and I don't really know if I can mention her name here, so I'm not. But um, 
as soon as I mentioned her name to a friend, yeah, like there were derogatory, you know, terms that came about. And it's like, just because she doesn't think the way that the culture is saying we should think, then you're not, you know, woke or you're shaming or you're not quote unquote black and things like that. So I, I do agree with that. I agree that, um, that, Part of being woke is buying into the narrative and, you know, making sure that that's the only narrative you stick with. One of my problems with this idea of being woke in the church is that the idea of woke in the world is so violent. It is Mm. it is a very. um, uh, Yeah, it's just violent. Like, I don't have a better word for it. Can you give us like an example of something you've seen? Maybe even back at the graduation. Well, at the graduation, there was just a lot of screaming, a lot like the the speeches were violent. The speeches, we're going to take over. We're going to march and we're going to take over. We're going to like by any means necessary, take over, Mm. even if that means that I have to go and snatch it back. And then um, I was thinking of and this has been all over like social media now, so that's fine. But at the Sparrow Conference, there was an issue with a woman who came on and spoke to the the audience and mentioned that white people need to like disown or disavow, I think the word was, from their whiteness. Right. And how do you say, to me, that's violent. Like if someone came to me as a black woman and said, you need to separate yourself from your blackness because it's a problem. I, I might not respond so favorably to that. Like, God bless you and I love you, but I'm I, I'm also flesh. Like, let's just be honest. I might not be be in a posture to say, hey, you know, that's the most loving thing, you know, anyone has ever said to me. But then it's what you see is that if your response is not, um, oh, yes, I must, you know, leave my whiteness or that. Yes, of course, I agree that all white spaces are evil or violent. Or violent. Sorry, that's the word that, that was used. All white spaces violent. Um, then I am not one. Uh, one, I'm not agreeing with truth because they, they've set up the narrative that this woke conversation is truth. But then two, I am I am automatically opposed to you now. And so mm. this is where I struggle. It's like, yeah, I can recognize injustice, as a as a black person, yes, I, I can recognize injustice, but also I I must also look out and say, well, how are we loving people? How are Not, we loving our neighbor? Yeah, d- despite skin color. If if I could, uh, um, <laughs> that particular conference was interesting to me, uh, the Sparrow Conference. Mm-hmm. So um, she said that whiteness is rooted in theft. Um, in um, violence and and all of these bad, evil, wicked things, right? Mm-hmm. And she said whiteness is rooted in those. I mean, you know, those things are rooted in. No, she said those things are rooted in whiteness. But those things that she named were sin. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not kill. So on and so forth. Loving our neighbor as ourselves. All those things were root are labeled as sin in, in scripture. So to say that those things are uh, rooted in whiteness, it's like you have to you have to buy into the narrative. But see, if, if the, you can't call those things sin like they really are, because then it takes it away from being just white people who deal with this. Like people have been thieving for for centuries, for millennia, you know, not just when white people came along. You know, it's always been going on since the beginning. 
And so I, that's why I say you, you have to buy into the narrative, because if you take the Bible for what it tell, tells us concerning uh, where sin originated and, and how it developed within us and, and, and manifests in us, then it takes away from anyone being accused of holding on to whiteness. You know, no, it's like if you are racist, whether you black and it's another thing, too, they don't think black people can be racist. Power but, plus prejudice. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like if you if you hate your neighbor, if you are racist, it's sin. The Bible calls that um, uh, showing partiality. That's how the Bible deals with racism, calls it showing partiality. So if you if you show partiality to someone, if you hate someone, all of it is sin. So it's not just predicated on your skin color, but on your heart. I, I'm wondering, I, I have so many questions, but I'm going to try to keep it on track here. So no, you I, should ask, because I'm sure like and you out here in the social networking world, please, if you're on Facebook or YouTube, send your questions yeah. in. let us know your thoughts. Um, whether you agree with what we're saying or disagree, as long as it's kind and gentle and, and you know, honor and love, we would love to, Engage. to hear your thoughts. Yeah. Jamal, now I know that you come from um, reformed perspective and uh, uh, I, I was reformed for about 15 years. I, I no longer I've kind of migrated a little bit away from being reformed um, in recent years, but I still have huge respect for the reformed tradition. And, and I always tell someone like when I was reformed, that's really how I learned the Bible. Like, mm -hmm. you know, reformed people really value this deep study of scripture. And, and that was just a, a wonderful time in my life. But what I'm noticing, um, cause I was working on a, <clears throat> excuse me, a THM at uh, covenant theological seminary for a, a couple of years. And, um, and that was probably maybe seven, eight years ago now. But what I'm noticing is that there's a lot of these Christian um, leaders and leading voices in the woke church movement and the kind of a Christianized critical race theory stream that a lot of them are coming out of reformed seminaries. I mean, uh, covenant seminary and, um, uh, Westminster Theological Seminary, and even like from the a couple of the Southern Baptist seminaries that lean toward Calvinistic um, teaching. Do you have any theory as to why that is? Because that is so puzzling to me as a person who was reformed for so long. I, I don't honestly understand what's going on there. Your guess is as good as mine. Wow. <laughs> that I, that I, I, I've been saying that for the longest, that, that is such an inconsistent thing. Um, it's always, it shocked me that those who hold to reform theology would buy into critical race theory and the woke movement. Um, but that's what we see. It is because you, if you, if we believe in God's sovereignty, that God is sovereign over all things, you know, as far as he, he predestines and he elects, if we believe that, then the, what they're saying is injustice as far as all these things that happened. Well, though people are accountable for their sin, they're blaming God. And that's what it boiled down to. Um, my, my elder one time, he said this, and, um, and I agree with him with this. And, and uh, before anybody hears me say this, uh, let me finish it before you get upset. <laughs> anybody may hear this. I'm thankful. I am thankful. Here it is now. I'm thankful for slavery. Oh, man. And not because, not because of what, how, what happened to our ancestors, but the fact that I'm here, 
the fact that I'm here. If it wasn't for that, I would not be here. I don't know if I would be here. I don't know if I'll be in the United States. I don't know if I'll be in Africa. I don't know where I would be, but I would not be here. And I'm thankful for that. God uses, God uses certain things and allows certain things for his own reasons. You know, we don't always know the ins and outs of those things. But the point that I'm making all that is those who hold to reform, hold to reform view, they're behind a critical race theory and therefore they're disengaging themselves from a reform view. Now, if that's what they decide to do. That's cool. But they're still holding to their reform view, which makes them inconsistent. Well, it's very puzzling to me because when I was reformed, I mean, one of the distinctive features of being reformed is holding to the doctrines of grace. Right. And I, I mean, this it almost sounds like and, and please forgive me if I am misstating things or not understanding things correctly. But when I hear people like Eric Mason and other leaders in the woke movement, it almost sounds to me like there's a different ground of salvation that they're putting forward. Like mm -hmm. I'm saved by grace and whether or not I've truly acknowledged my participation in racism in the way that they define it. And mm -hmm. then if I have that consciousness and that awareness, then I can be really saved. It almost feels like they're shifting the ground of the doctrines of grace to be something else. Am I imagining that? I mean, I don't want to overstate it, but this has been a source of genuine confusion for me. Mm. Um, Have you noticed that at all? I noticed it, but it would not be, um, they would, it, they would deny it. Okay. So, so yeah, I've noticed it. That's why I say it's an inconsistency. Um, cause it would, that would be denied. Um, I made a point in one of my videos concerning, um, when I was reviewing his book, when he defined wokeness uh, as it states, because he says that uh, he, he buys from W.E.B. Du Bois, which um, W.E.B. was an atheist, which is another thing too with the critical race theory and all these things is their ungodly origin. But anyway, um, he buys into W.E.B. Du Bois' uh, idea of double consciousness, but then by him being a Christian, he adds to it Christ consciousness. And so therefore, in order to be woke and Christian, you have three levels of consciousness that you must possess. And in that, in that Christ consciousness, that in that part, as far as being able to um, be uh, be woke from uh, of sinful thinking and stuff like that. So, and then he says you're not completely woke unless you possess all three levels of consciousness. So, if you claim to be a believer, but yet when it comes to these issues that um, concerning how what to be uh, woke, then you may not you you may truly not be a Christian in practice. Like you may not truly be. Because you're missing something. You're not, you're, you're, you're claiming to be Christian, you're Christian by profession, but your action as far as believing in what this narrative is, is off. Huh. Okay. So then I think that just leads right into the next question of why do you think the woke church movement is so dangerous within the church or for people within the church? Because of the division that it's caused mainly, um, during the time when President Trump was um, elected in office, you've had individuals because there were uh, white conservatives who uh, Republicans who voted for Trump and in the church. And because of that, this, it was said, that, well, hey, I can't trust my who I could now for all these years of fellowshipping with them. Now I could trust them. But all of a sudden, because of this, I can't trust these people. I can't trust them no more. They're, they're not um, they don't see 
you know, my my blackness the way they should see it. They don't see the struggle that they're supposed to see it, and so on and so forth. And therefore, I, I don't feel safe around them anymore. I, let's pull fellowship now, and that's what's happened. People have pulled fellowship. Um, you know, if you have people say, well, let's have let's have black only conferences, you know, so, so therefore we can uplift our blackness. Um, the lady you mentioned that um, uh, on the Sparrow Conference, she brought up how, hey, I'm a I'm the one who uplifts blackness. Yet she tells white people to disavow their whiteness. It it causes division. And unless and unless you are a white person who buys into that and will be willing to quote unquote divest from your whiteness, then you can't be a part of this circle. So where we once had unity in Christ, which is supposed to be the case, now there's disunity. I agree. I think that's one of my major problems with it as well is that within like, again, and I said this before, like if that is, if you are believing outside of Christ, then that's, I feel like that's what your thing and you do that. But when you're in Christ, there is a call to unity. There is a call to oneness. There is a call um, yeah, to being, to being the body and that the like woke and the critical race theory and all of that pulls away from what Christ died to establish. Mm-hmm. Amen. I, I think that kind of connected to that, it's interesting to me that I hear a lot of these leaders talking about the importance of love in that, 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 they are all about loving their neighbor, but I have to, and and maybe this is my own shortcoming and, and I'm just being really vulnerable right now with both of you and, and the viewers. It's just, it's hard for me to feel the love when somebody's engaging in verbal violence toward me simply because of being white. And it's like, I'm not feeling the love here. I don't know what mm. that's supposed to look like. And I'm wanting to, like, if I've, if I've really participated something or offended somebody, I want to understand that. But from my limited point of view that I think many white people struggle with, why is this person calling me names? I'm, I'm very confused and I, I, I'm not feeling the love. So for, for me as a white Christian, I've told Monique this before, I said, you know, I know that many black people really want white people to engage in conversations about race, but it's really hard to feel courageous in that when mm -hmm. there's so much animosity and, and we don't know. Okay. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll, I'll be up for that. Like I'm, I'm ready to be called names. Yeah. Okay. Let, let's, let's get that going. And then we feel like how much shaming is enough? How much do I need to endure? It's, it's really hard. And I'm sure it's, the result of my own inability to understand really what's at stake. But that's kind of the thought pattern that for many of us on my side of it, where what we experience and how we think it through. I was going to say, I'm sorry. It, it should not be that way. It shouldn't be the way it's, it seems like I mentioned talking to a friend of mine the other day. It was like, as black people, it seemed like, We've making ourselves to be out like we're so weak and our skin is so thin that we can't handle a conversation to the point that we make others nervous to even engage with us about conversations that are important, you know, because racism is an important topic. You know what I mean? It's something to talk about if, if somebody's dealing with racism or so on and so forth. 
Um, but to be a, to have where someone feels like I got to walk on eggshells to be able to talk about this because I don't want to offend you that bad. It's like, man, like we're human. We should be able to talk to one another. And if there is an offense, okay, cool. Hey, you offended me about, you offended me with that. And, you know, we can repent and move on. But it should not be where we're scared to talk about these things. But it's because of the of majority of people who are on that side have made it where they made themselves, their posture so intimidating. Like you got to make sure you say the right thing. Don't you say the wrong thing. Don't you dare. Don't you, don't you misspeak. Don't you dare. Because that's, that's going to have repercussions. And therefore, you're going to be further from becoming woke. And that's, that's, we are not the standard, you know, and that's, a, and that's, that's a, a frustration that I have with, um, with that, that ideology, you know. I agree. One of the things that um, we've talked about, Chris and I have talked about is this idea of truth and how the woke movement within the church will present itself. And I've heard this from a few people um, within the church like leaders within the church that they are just presenting the truth. And Mm -hmm. so it's, how do you, are you against the truth? Mm. You know, like there's no wiggle room. If I say you need to separate yourself from your culture, that is the truth. And so I'm putting up before you a wall of truth. How do I fight against a wall of truth? And now I must accept the truth Otherwise, I am in sin. I am ignorant. I, you know, I am violent and creating a violent space. Right. Um, how would you or give us some tips? And then, then I want to read some of the comments that have come through. Give us some tips on recognizing if you're like, how do you recognize if your church is going woke? Um, you can listen to the rhetoric dealing with um, uh, social issues. Um, I mean, we talked about briefly before we came on and dealing with uh, the prison system, um, how that's going about. If you hear the narrative, and, you, and the same narrative is, pa- is painted about across the board, it doesn't change. It's the same thing. Um, blacks are being mistreated in this area. Blacks are being dis- mistreated in that area, so on and so forth. Um, but there's never given any stats or information in that. It's just always blanketed. And so uh, even concerning uh, whites, is always a blanketed statement. Nothing that's, bring, that's bringing it, making it narrow. And you can always see that then. Um, and, and our churches, as far as uh, making it seem like uh, one, one particular race or ethnicity is, should be more preferred than the other. And you, when you start to see stuff like that, you know, okay, there's something wrong here because it should not be that way, you know? And if and I tell people this, and I don't mean to go on a tangent, but it's, uh, you have churches that are predominantly white, and that's, and that's what they are. You have churches that are predominantly black, and that's what they are. A, church, um, a white couple or a white family or whatever goes into a predominantly black church is not gonna change the culture of the church. That's the preference of how they do things. And same thing, and same thing vice versa. But to when you make it a law and stand it, okay, well, this is how it has to be, or you're not woke, or you're not loving your neighbor, or you're not diverse, and that becomes the issue. But you, those are the telltale signs that you can see where uh, a church is going in the wrong direction. Their focus is on the wrong thing. I can, I can agree with that. I think um, maybe it was you and I, I don't know. I had a conversation with someone, and we were talking about church and how— Oftentimes, 
when we're talking about multiculturalism within church, we're looking at white churches and their need to become multicultural. However, when you go into a black church, there isn't the need to become multicultural. Right. If you are, right. you know, like the one white family, you can be like, when can we sing Hillsong? <laughs> Y'all just got Andre Crouch. What's going on? Can Marvin Sapp, can we get a little Bethel? You know, there's, no one's asking those questions. There's there's this automatic assumption that white spaces need to change to be the accommodating space. Um, but then I hear on the other side to play devil's advocate that, you know, when black people enter into white spaces, then we need to change to accommodate the space that we're in. So I don't know. That's kind of where where I, you know, I struggle between both yeah. sides, you know. Can I go back to something you guys said earlier, just as a quick thing? And I would like to ask a little bit more about it, um, just because it's something I think that I, um, many people get confused about is it's it's hard for me to understand why it's not possible for a black person to be racist. Like, I don't want to be like advocating for white supremacy or the KKK, but I don't understand why that is okay. Like for black, like the black people can't be racist. Help me understand that statement. Cause I see that on Twitter all the time. And, and I think that many people are confused about that. Mm -hmm. That only white people can be racist. Mm -hmm. Right. Now go ahead, please. Please, Monique, go ahead. So there is a line of thought that in order to be racist, you need two things. You need power and you need prejudice. And so prejudice plus power is what will then create the space for one to be racist without having the power. So when you look at government or when you look at power structures within the United States, that is not considered a, a space for people of color to be in majority. Okay. So then when you have the power, you when you're in the control and you have the prejudice, that is what then creates the racism. I don't personally hold to that view. I believe that all people hold a degree of prejudice. We all can see. Because we're all and, sinners. Yeah, and that's just, that's kind of how we are. Um, and when you act out upon that prejudice, that creates racism. That is a racist act we, or a whatever the ist is. It can be sexist. It can be classist. That act then becomes the, the sin or the evil. And so, yes, if I notice, because I can see that you are white and I then... I don't know, kick your car or something like that because because of the prejudice that I have, I feel like that becomes a racist act. So in my mm -hmm. view, anyone can be racist because anyone can act out upon their prejudice. Prejudice plus power does not necessarily define racism for me. Mm, that's perfect. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. Well, I mean, and Jamal, I guess I, I would wonder from your perspective, like when I hear that definition of racism, that strikes me as being like, I, I don't know where I would find that in scripture. I, I, and when in earlier you said that, you know, from a scriptural standpoint, you see racism as a form of the sin of partiality as, mm -hmm. as scripture defines it. I think that, 
it's important for us to understand when we just throw out these definitions or standards, like where am I getting that standard? Where am I getting that definition? Is that from scripture or is that something from the world that I'm importing into my worldview? I wonder maybe if you can comment on that. Yeah, so we know uh, race being a social construct. And and to be honest, uh, race is a, um, not only a social construct, but it is a um, evolutionary term. It was uh, based on putting people in classes because um, they don't believe we all come from one general ancestor. And so anyway, uh, by being a social construct, they're being partial towards one over the other. And so you have your, um, your blacks, you have your Caucasians, so on and so forth. You have your um, uh, Mongoloid, which would be like the Asians and so on and so forth. And you have the different classes, but one is preferred over the other. And dealing with racism or race, blacks were seeing it where acknowledged as being at the bottom. So this is, this is true as far as how this is constructed. So in scripture, this would be partiality, but on the basis of skin color and um, you know, ethnicity. And that's where, that's where you will see that at. So you can be partial uh, for any number of reasons uh, towards somebody. I can be partial to men over than women. I can be partial to my family over someone who's not my family, so on and so forth. But uh, what racism is, is just partiality on the basis of skin color. Um, Rhyme, his song says, question, it seems that this is unforgiveness being perpetuated under a cloak of cultural diversity and forced tolerance. Is this woke a violation of scripture, neither black nor white, Jew nor Greek, male nor female? What are your thoughts on that? That we're all in Christ. Yeah. Mm, a, a great question. Um, and it's, and it's, an, it's a sad reality of what we're dealing with. Um, it is in a cloak of unforgiveness. Um, and this said, you being a white person won't be able to receive true forgiveness until there's been some type of reparation. Uh, and then, and, 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 what, and this is another thing too, you're, they're assuming that there has been an actual sin. So the, the guilt there is because you're white. It ain't because you've actually showed a sign of partiality or showed a sign of racism. It's that because you're white, you're by default you know, dealing with racism is deep in your nature. You can't get away from it. And therefore that needs to be a level of forgiveness. But if you refuse to acknowledge that there's no forgiveness, you know? And so, um, and then uh, what, um, what Moni said earlier, is like, if you want to be sort of woke, not only you have, you, uh, you have to get the approval from blacks, you can't just acknowledge it. And you have to get the approval from others. So people have to acknowledge that you've actually, you know what, you actually are truly repentant of your whiteness. And, and now you make, now you get able to come in, but when you come in, you still got to check yourself at the door. Like, you know, it's, it's still no rest, you know, no, it's no peace here yet. You know, you got to still prove yourself and you got to continue to keep doing that. So there's no true forgiveness. If there is even need for forgiveness in that fact anyway. That wow. You just blew me away there. Cause that was really powerful and it, such a good summary of, I mean, Monique could tell you in more candid moments, how many times I've, I've cried because I, I had somebody in my life who flat out just called me a racist simply because I was white and I was left hurt and confused and, mm. and just, you know, this person was a Christian and, wow. and, and somebody that I, I lost fellowship with simply because I couldn't understand what was happening. 
and it 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 really does have consequences and i really appreciate you guys just being willing to even have a conversation and and let us ask some questions and and explain some things to us and i think the importance of relationship is what's so important because when we see this on social media it's just like darts so we throw at one another um but when it's in a context of a relationship when you're looking at somebody face to face then maybe we can get a little further down the road of understanding i don't know i i think that's true and one of the things that i feel like a lot of my friends anyway when we have these conversations and when i've had these conversations in the past you hear that google it you know it's always mm. like why you gotta ask me why they gotta ask me? why why people gotta ask me why can't they just go google it you know like the answers are there for some things i'm like yeah you know you could find that on google but what you can't find on google is the relationship you can't find the the deeper conversation of well when i hear this this makes me feel like this can you explain more as to why you're saying that instead what i what i see and hear is google it and then no more conversation right for however long and then until i prove that i have a certain level of understanding yes and if you don't then you hear terms like white fragility where i'm just Mm. trying to ask some questions yeah and and I have Googled it. I've Jamal, I have literally spent at least a hundred hours in the last six months trying yes, to understand these things. <laughs> and yes. Monique's like, can we just take a break from this conversation for a little while? And I said, but I'm just trying to understand. So I have made an effort, but it's it is discouraging for me to feel like I can't ask questions because I haven't Googled it enough. When have I Googled it enough? When have I done it enough? When can I earn just a conversation to have somebody explain some things to me? That that's the space that I, that I've really struggled with. So, I think um, I was listening to one of your videos yesterday, day before, and um, I think you were doing a review of your friend Edwin of, oh, yeah. of something that he wrote, and he wrote like uh, it's oh, the not blog post. yeah, it's not enough to be to be saved. Like you have to be rewoke or reborn or but it was like it was this idea that being saved isn't enough and Mm -hmm. that's i think one of the dangers but that's what i was saying earlier i feel like there's this extra Mm -hmm. thing now yeah it's not enough to believe in jesus forgiving my sins and dying on the cross now there's this other whole thing that i have to have an awareness of in order to be really saved yes and i think the dangers with that is that People aren't aware of because there's not a true, clear definition. And like I said, when I put it out there on on Facebook, being woke can mean many different things to many different people. And so how do you find your salvation, so to speak? And how do you repent for something that is so vast and vague in many instances? One and two, is there really a need when Christ is everything, when Christ has done it all. Yeah. Right. And, and this is what comes to point is, uh, it's, it's funny you're going into that because, and I, I like the, um, the guy asked a question about forgiveness. When we think about salvation, do we believe in justification by faith alone or is it by faith plus 
uh, plus divesting from your whiteness, plus divesting from racism, if that even exists in you. Like divest, you know, that's real salvation. If you if you got them with racism, then it's possible that you might not even be saved. Period. But that's not what the gospel is. We we all this we're sinners. We're sinners saved by grace. You know, and so when they say when they make it seem as if oh you just like when they bring up um older church leaders like uh george whitfield and such who've had who owned slaves and said well i i'm more believe that martin luther king who believed who was a heretic martin luther king did not believe in true biblical doctrines you know so like he didn't believe in the virgin birth any of those things but they're saying hey i believe he's more of a christian because he had the march versus george whitfield because he owned slaves you know what I'm saying? So it's like, this now is like, okay, well, you can't even be saved if you even have a deal with this. And there's no proof that George Wilford was even racist, you know, the fact that he owns slaves. But it's like, <laughs> that becomes a whole can of worms. But it's like, that's what the whole issue is. Like, it's like salvation is not by faith alone and when it comes to the world church. It's faith plus. Wow. That's really good. That really helped clarify some things. Um. Jamal, I don't want to keep you. I, I promised you an hour. This has been so good. Maybe you can just um, leave us with maybe some resources that you found that maybe if people want to probe these things deeper, that might be of a bit more biblical orientation that you found helpful in your journey. Was, uh, well, what really helped me was when I started watching um, A.D. Robles. That's when I was... Um, Trying to, I was on the fence, you know, Edwin Ramirez, he was, he used to be woke, you know, he used to be in the woke church uh, era, but when he came in, me and him were close friends, even while he was in that, and I used to ask him questions, um, but when he came out, um, you know, we've talked some on that, um, you can find him on The Proverbial Life, that's uh, on YouTube as well, also uh, the, the proverbiallife.com, uh, and A.D. Robles, his uh, YouTube channel is where um, I've got a lot of understanding into what was really going on with the social justice movement and um, with those who would hold to the woke church uh, area. And um, who else? Uh, Conversations That Matter, another YouTube channel as well. Um, it's really, really good. Um, it dives into a lot of the hard stuff into dealing with George Whitfield and Jonathan Edwards as far as the argument is concerning their salvation because they had slaves and so on and so forth. And, um, and those, are some, those are some great places I would start, uh, start awesome. at. And we've been flashing your YouTube channel throughout the show. We want to encourage people to go check out your videos as well. I've been reading um, Miles McPherson's book, The Third Option of Late, and I have found it so balanced and it really does seem to be like a third way. <laughs> I've mm. really enjoyed reading this, um, acknowledging the race issues, acknowledging like some things that are happening, but really trying to build a, a biblical uh, approach to these things and, and that's been lived out. He's a, a pastor here in the San Diego area and of a huge church, and he himself is multiracial. Um, he's uh, black, white, and Chinese. One of his grandparents was Chinese. Oh, wow. And um, really interesting guy, but I have, I'm almost done with it. I got like about, 30 pages left, but I have been so impressed with this book. It, I, I feel like it's a, a voice of sanity in the, in the desert of, of a lot of really hot conversations. And um, I found that to be something that's been helpful to me and my walk as I've been thinking things through, but thank you, Jamal, for coming on and, and doing this with us. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and having your voice on the show. Yes. Thank uh you very much. 
Now, thank y'all so much for having me. I, I really enjoyed the conversation and um, it's just really encouraged even by you, Krista, how you're going about the conversation um, and the grace that you're going about it. And even in your sincerity um, in the compassion is, is uh, you can feel it. And I really, really thank you for that. And I uh, want to encourage you uh, as you continue to, to dive into this, stand firm on what's true. And I, I know you will. Yeah, um, I'm trying. I'm trying to help lead a conversation because I do think it's an important conversation. Monique and I are trying to be a stand for, Hey, let's have some race discussions and just still be friends at the end and, and, and set a context for a relationship where these things can really happen. So we really appreciate you brother coming on and just being part of it with us. So thank y'all. Thank y'all. All All right. Jamal Bandy, everyone prescribedtruth.com. Go check him out. The the prescription that the doctor has prescribed. I I love that. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Bye bye. Okay. So, wow. What did you think? Um. Yeah. I, I it was really good. He said some good things. I'm yes, going to watch it back. There's a lot. There's just a lot. There's a lot in the conversation. And I'm like, wow, you know, this can lead into this and this can lead into that. And um, I think more than anything, the bottom line for me at the end of the day is that this woke movement within the church is one that is divisive. And instead of building unity is building, you know, shame among members of the body is building um, like argumentative conversations is not, it's not a, a platform or a place that starts out on holy ground. And that's where I'm like, you know, this conversation is, is important to bring to the body. We need, as the body and as the church, we need to understand that this is not a um, a movement acceptable, you know, as, as Christians. We need to not bring in what's in the culture. So, you know, the culture, because we are, our, we are a, a people. That's what the, the Bible says. We are a people. And we are a new humanity. Yeah. And so if, if this is what's in the world culture, the, the worldview that does not hold to Christ, if that's their terminology and their framework, we can't just bring that into the church and then add Jesus to it to make it pretty. We have to understand that this is this worldview here. We can look at the same issues, but our stand and our answers won't be the same. Not necessarily. They might be in some cases, but they should always be distinctly Christian. Yeah, I think that they should always start first from from that Christian worldview. And this is something that like I'm learning about every day. It's new for me. Like we just being honest, we I grew up not in grew up. I studied sociology. I went to a Christian school. I learned critical race theory at my Christian school. And so this has been a framework that I can say, you know, this was solid. This is what I've believed for a very long time. And now coming out of it, is it's rough it is it it's just it's been a little disruptive it has been it's been quite jarring and if if no one is speaking out against the disruptions that it's causing within the body of christ 
then the disruptions will continue. And so there has to be a stand somewhere. That's very brave. And I thank you for that. Cause I know how much that bravery that took is that was a lot. It, it, you know, it is one. It, you just did something there. It, it's a little nerve wracking. Yeah, you just did but, something. Well, there. and I, I, what I wish we could have got into with Jamal is, oh, I well, mean, we can have him on we again. Him, yeah, <laughs> I mean, and we we talked about it a little bit. Like, if you're not, if you're not in agreement with the woke conversation, then you're in direct opposition. Mm-hmm. But I don't think people really understand what that means and the terms that come or can come from other you know, blacks, people in your, yeah, people, in your community yeah, yeah, that are shaming or, you know, almost kind of cast you aside. Yeah. And, and it, what's the, what's the greater good? It leads me to a question that you asked me a co- couple shows ago. It's like, do I identify more as a black woman or do I identify more as a Christian? And that that's still hard for me. I'm just we had to step. Like, we had to step back for a yeah, minute on I that just, question, I, and I still have to step back from that. But I can't. That's okay. Stand. I can't stand side by side with white brothers and sisters and see them hurting and in pain, and and think that that's okay. Yeah. An- Annette says uh, this is definitely a good word. As Christians, we need to see each other as Christ sees us yes and i think that's true across the board we all need to work toward that and we're all a work in progress Mm -hmm. but we're all forgiven if we've placed our trust and faith and confidence in christ and um we ought to work through to holiness yeah and part of holiness is learning how to love each other where where we are where each of us is yeah I think that this is the beginning of this conversation. It is. Um, This won't be the only conversation about race, but it's a good start. If you don't, and I just want to say this, if you don't feel comfortable, safe, whatever, throwing your question out here on social media, shoot us something in like in an inbox, go on the Theology Mom page and send a private message. Um, Let's just continue the conversation. We don't want anyone to not ask their questions or not put their thoughts out there because they may be nervous about putting it Yeah, out in public. Yeah. I think that's a great word. I'm glad you said that. So should we end with a quick tweet? Yes. Since we've been talking about salvation, it's actually perfect. the tweet of the week. We need like a little theme song. Dun, 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 dun. (laughs) Okay, never mind. Okay. So we've got the tweet of the week. Um, This is, I saw this, we blurred out the uh, names to protect the innocent. So the, uh, oh, he blurred out the title, which was how to be saved, a step-by-step guide. So step one was confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Step two, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Step three, you're saved. And that just really kind of jumped out at me. And I thought, huh, that's interesting. And so I think that what that was about is Romans 10, uh, 9 and 10. I think I have a graphic here for that. We'll see if. Yeah, there it is. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. It is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Is there like a song? I see you and move, there moving is, rhythmically there. a song there. in my head and I can't, um, I can't sing it because one, I can't sing. But then two, <laughs> I'm sure there's like copyright laws or something like that. But yes, there's a song and it says like- I saw you moving. Like, what does it mean to be saved? And I'm just like, ah! 
ah, yes, I remember that song. <laughs> but yeah, no, I won't. I won't just bust out with that. Okay. Yeah. So anyways, the tweet got a lot of action. And um, I thought what was interesting about it was the Romans 10 verse is just, it's sort of a truncated um, description of what salvation is. And, and so then I had a, a second tweet here where there was a res- one of the responses and uh, some guy says, nope, <laughs> rather believe and profess in the message, uh, repent, turn away of your sins, confess Jesus as Lord and be, and be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So there's a few more, uh, at least one more step, some different steps here. And I think that what's important to kind of point out is we run the risk of, you know, when we just use one verse, you know, you, you want to use the whole context of scripture and yeah, the confession is important, but even um, when you look at the teachings of Jesus, when you look at the early church in the book of Acts, um, there were some other components. And in particular, I want to make a comment about repentance here. Um, in At the end of Luke, right before Jesus uh, goes back up into heaven, he says this, this is written that the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Um, we don't often include repentance mm-hmm. as part of salvation, a turning away from what we used to believe. And repentance is both like, that initial event at our salvation, but it's also a lifetime daily discipline of, of repenting of our sins. I think it's important to understand like kind of the historical context and the broader, the broader part of it uh, to um, yeah. So repentance, Annette says repent repentance to salvation isn't from sin. It's from believing the wrong thing. I, I think it's both. I mean, when Jesus said, um, go and sin no more, um, that was a form of calling that person to repentance in their behavior, um, but also repenting of believing idolatrous ideas, you know, and turning from our previous worldview to what Jesus is calling us to. I think that repentance is an under under discussed concept. Um, we're so quick to just try to make the path easy to salvation. Um, but we want to make sure that we're not cutting corners and giving kind of a false understanding to people of what Christianity is, because we're really, as we've been talking through this whole show, we're really calling people to a different worldview. Yeah. We're really saying that the, 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 tra- the, the, uh, many of the beliefs that you have of how you think about reality and how you think about what's going to happen after death and who you think about who you are and what man's biggest problem is, um, your thoughts are going in the wrong direction. And we're, we're not just calling people to say a simple prayer. We're, what we're really doing is we're inviting people into a different worldview, into a different understanding of themselves and God and their fundamental problem and their eternal destination. And sometimes I think as Americans, we live in a fast food culture. I think we 
also engaged in a lot of fast food theology and um, getting people saved quickly without getting them saved accurately. So um, just something to, to think about when I saw that tweet. I was like, yeah, there's some truth there, but I think we need to be careful and have kind of a more fully orbed thought about what we're doing in salvation. So that's my t- quick take on the Twitter post. Krista's tweet of the week. Yeah. Well, find out what you find next week. Maybe we'll see something. Anyways. All right. Well, this is good. How are you feeling? You know, I'm okay. You're going to be okay? I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be all right. We already had some people commenting, thanking us for the conversation this week. Um, thanking you and Jamal for stepping up, helping to lead the conversation. That's good. So yeah. send us your messages. DM us. Uh, let us know your thoughts. And um, we'll see what happens in the future. Yeah. And I can definitely say this won't be the last conversation. Yeah. Um, and, and we don't purport to have all the answers. And, no, and not at all. We're still in very much a work in progress and thinking these things through. Yeah. But just trying to ask some, some questions. And I like how Miles McPherson says it. I'm going to hold this book up one more time, that there's a third way. There's got to be a third way than insanity and also acting like race is not a problem. You know, we should, we meant to talk about, uh, the issue of colorblindness. We should talk about Co- that. Oh, yes. Quickly, quickly. We, no, we we'll are get- not colorblind people. Let's be honest. Okay? <laughs> when I look at you, I see someone who is white. Really? Well, I mean, not white like the color, like the light bulb. But, <laughs> you know, you are not black. And when you look at me, what do you see? Well, I see my beautiful friend. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I and, do. Yes. And what else? You cannot look at me and not see that I'm a black woman. Really? Yeah, I guess, but I, I don't, I, honestly, that's not the first thing that I think about you. And I didn't say that it was the first thing that you, that you think yeah, about me, right. but I do think that it's important that we recognize people's ethnicities, cultures, like there's beauty in that. Sure. And because there's beauty in that, that is something that can be celebrated. I don't think that it needs to be the first thing that has to be celebrated, but there's nothing wrong with recognizing difference because within that we can gain beauty and when i go outside i look at the red rose Mm -hmm. or the pink rose or the white lily are you if you're colorblind then what all the flowers are clear gray what i don't understand no but yet we want to hold up this facade of oh i'm colorblind i don't see color and it's just is the word pious? Like, I, I just, I'm like, no, that's not true. You, when you see me, I'm a five foot seven black woman. Like, you see all this melanin? Hi, yeah, <laughs> you can see it. It's okay. And know that with it comes experience and history and beauty. And when I look at you, I see the same. I don't think that I need to not see your history or lineage or whatever because. It's not what PC. No, honey, see this. Yes. I'll say yes. (laughs) I think one of the things, I guess two points. One is I think what many people mean when they say they don't see color, they're colorblind, is they're trying to say that they're they're trying to look at the person's character more than their color first. And so I think they mean something good behind it. It's just maybe it's not. I I like that. Are we getting a close-up of the eyebrow? (laughs) Yes. 
she she's not buying what I'm selling. But nope, not at all. But I I think people mean well when they say this. I I understand. You've helped me understand how it comes across, and it, it's probably not the most useful way of talking about it. But I I think that it's you know to believe all things about people, you know, to hope all things about one another as Christians. Um, I, I really do think it's more about like, there is a heart posture that's good behind that saying and to have grace with one another in that. But you're trying to point out like, Hey, here's, here's how that can hit a lot of people. It feels yeah, like I, you're, you're trying to minimize the physical reality of what's there. You don't have to walk in the Bible study and just describe everyone you know. So, you know, my black friend Paul and my white friend Betty Lou. And <laughs> no, you don't have to do that. But just be, it's there's nothing wrong with being aware. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with diversity. There's nothing like yeah. someone black. And you noticed that I was black and we had conversation about that. I noticed that you're white. I do. I really do. <laughs> I do. I noticed that your hair well, is different than mine. And that's okay. That's true. It, yeah, I don't have a wash and go hair. But there I'm what all I'm saying is that yes, I can see a heart posture in people's intention of saying, well, I want to recognize the character more than, you know, the color or those things. But to say that you're colorblind is simply an untruth. Well, I, I think the way that I've kind of thought about that is it's really a form of an ancient heresy called Gnosticism where it was an error where people would kind of deny the physical world. And when you, when you talk in such a way where you're talking about race and like, I don't notice your race, it, it's kind of a form of Gnosticism hmm. where we're not going to acknowledge the physical reality of who the person is in the physical world. Uh, we can we can notice the spiritual reality and the soulish reality of who they are on the inside. But as we're doing that, we don't want to diminish or negate the physical reality yeah. of, of who they are. Um, and that there's kind of a a flattening that we engage in of, of this kind of Gnostic belief of flattening people's race, um, including our own, as, as you know, in, including my own culture and, and my own race and that we don't want to we don't want to engage in that as Christians because God has created us different and that there's an when we when we acknowledge that the way that God has made us we're acknowledging something good mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be a negative thing but yes. I think it's taken on such a negative thing in our culture yes that so, people are afraid now yeah. I can't if I acknowledge that you know she's black she's gonna no honey acknowledge <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, let's see. Rhyme his song says, You're right, Mo. As brethren, we should be touched by the things that touch our brethren. Empathy. And Annette says, I am definitely aware that I am white when I go to a church <laughs> where I am in the minority and don't know most of the songs. You know what? You might be in the minority, but that does not diminish your beauty. That's right. So we like to say yeah. around here. In our home, all so. races are beautiful. Yes. And, you know, I kind of think that's enough for today. That's what it. You? We've been talking for 78 minutes. And yeah. there, There's that one time when time. we talked for a long time. But we appreciate you chiming in and being here. And I appreciate yeah. you being here. Not that you go anywhere else, but, you know. Well, this is my house. I know. 
<laughs> There's that. We're in the living room. There's that. That's what this is. This is my house too. Yeah. You know, this is Monique's house too. <laughs> Keep it real, people. Keep it real. All right. We're going to go out and go for a walk and enjoy the sunset. We're and... going to have dinner first. Oh, we're going to have dinner first. And then we're going to go for a walk in the dark. But we are glad that you're here. We're glad that you're sharing uh, your Saturday night with us. We hope that this Thank has you been and helpful. That. And we uh, would love to hear from you. Hear yes. people's comments. Please give us some like and share love. Help us spread the share word. Share this. This is important. This is yeah. so important because the the message of critical race theory and the woke movement is creeping into churches. I feel like so subtly that this message really needs to get out. So share it so that others can can yep. hear it too and start conversations. And for Rhyme, his song, this peace is, out. Bye. God bless.